Good morning. Good morning, sons and daughters of the Most High God. Glad you're here today. Uh, our youth uh, were at various camps this week, and the Lord has spoken to them. We had some adult chaperones who also went. The Lord has spoken to them as well. A uh, few, few of them are going to give a, a testimony this morning before I bring the message. So I'm not sure who's going first, but uh, Lisa, did you want to go first? Okay. This is Lisa Peters. Lisa and Scott are our youth directors here, and we're just delighted to have them with us. And Lisa and Scott were chaperones this week for some of our youth. I'll let you tell the rest of it. Okay. I'm just going to kind of give a takeaway of what we got from the weekend. There was so much. If I do, we'll be here till midnight if I tell you everything that I got. So the camp started off saying, Jesus never disappoints true seekers. And talked about preparing your heart for what he was going to bring this weekend. But that statement is for every single day of our life. He never disappoints true seekers as we come with expectancy to him. So I guess I was going through my notes, and the main thing that I took away from, uh, he was talking about friendship and fear with, with God and how you needed both. And he talked about the 5,000 that Jesus fed. They came. They heard a word, and he fed them, and they were fed, and they were good, okay? To me, my takeaway from that is we come to church, we hear a word, we're fed, we're good. Next week, we come back, we hear a word, we're fed, and we're good. That's the 5,000. That's one group of people. Are those 5,000 going to heaven? Loving the Lord? Yep. Okay. Then he talked about the 500, they are the ones in 1 Corinthians who saw Jesus after he was resurrected at his ascension. The 500 were witness to the entrance into heaven. Okay, They could still be part of the 5,000, still getting fed, but they were just a little bit closer and just saw a little bit more. Then he talked about the 120 who came together at Pentecost in the upper room when Jesus said, wait for me. You guys got together. They got together with corporate prayer and fasting. And they got to receive something very, very personal and different. Jesus spoke directly to them. It's a smaller group of people. Then he talked about the 70 from Luke 10, who he set out with personal responsibility. You two go. You do this. You go here. You do this. You go here. You go, to, go do this. That's like our calling, Okay a little bit closer to Jesus. Then he talked about the 12 who were really close to Jesus. And they he was present as they spoke the parables. But then they got to spend separate time with him where he gave deeper explanation and deeper mysteries of the kingdom. I thought that was really cool. Then there was the three, Peter, John, and James at the uh, Transfiguration who he literally let them see a little glimpse of heaven. They were still here on earth, still walking in their calling, but he let them see a glimpse of heaven. Then he talked about the one. And that was John. Sorry. And that's the one who Jesus loved. Says John. But John reclined against his chest, and he heard his heartbeat. And he gave John 
literal access to heaven in Revelation. As John went and saw the elders and all of that, and he got to see him sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. He witnessed that. He wasn't in heaven yet. He was still here on earth. So if we can get close enough to Jesus to hear his heartbeat, he will take us to heaven to see things and mysteries that the 5,000 won't see. The 5,000 are eating a Happy Meal, and that's good. They're good. The 500, the 170, I'm trying to remember the numbers. The 120, the 70, the 12, they're all part of the kingdom. What group do you want to be in? What group do you want to be in? God said to me, don't settle for a happy meal, Lisa. Don't get full. Don't get full of me. I want you to always be starving. Just starve for me. Because I always say, God, just increase my hunger and give me a thirst for your word, for time with you. He said, don't ask to be hungry, Lisa. Be starving. Starving so much that when the Friends had someone that needed healed, and Jesus was in the house, and they couldn't get in because there were so many people. They climbed up on the rooftop, and they dug a hole to get into the presence of Jesus. He said, be that kind of starving that you're going to climb up on anything to get to where I am. Oh, I know. There was so much. I'm going to skip whatever's left because i got to tell this one thing. Some of you know we have a prodigal. And God has given us promises of that prodigal's return through other people and through our time alone with him. And he is always at the heart of our prayer. So the kids sit on the floor. They love that. <laughs> and they give the leaders a chair kind of in the back. And there's a lot of people there. There's about a thousand people there. And... God sat this woman next to me on the very first night. And we talked. And we, for some reason, got on the subject of our kids. Well, her kid is my kid. Their stories are exactly the same. When I say they are exactly the same, I'm telling you, the details we told, we could have told at the same time and been telling the same story. And... Her son just did a turnaround and is going to the Ramp School of Ministry in the fall. So, I know, right? A uh, couple of women's conferences ago, I went and she was talking about prodigals and her child was a prodigal. She wrote a book about it. But she had these necklaces that she was selling that are, remember the promise. I can't read because I got old eyes. Even now, and until it's pray until even now in the midst of everything god has this and remember any promises that he's told you but they were sold out of the necklaces and i was so sad so here it is two years later because we don't know god's timing he's given us a promise we need to just keep pressing in and praying remember his promises 
And even now, even though our son is still a prodigal, he promised us he'll come home. So it's the very last night. My husband and I were in the midst of an ending thing. It wasn't the last night. It was Friday night. Change of plans. We came into agreement on something over our son, and it was a deep agreement. And they had prayer. They had altar call. When it was done, this woman walked up to me and said, my son has come home. God told me to give you this necklace as confirmation that your son's coming home. I know, right? So I have held this in my hand during prayer. I'm doing, trying to do praise about half hanging myself. The last night, I know, the last night, it's done, we're over, we're walking out, we're exhausted, we're tired. Some man we have never seen before walked up and said, God told me to tell you something. He said, you have a prodigal. He told me to tell you, he is coming home. Continue to pray and fast. Press in harder than you've ever pressed in. But when he comes home, He's bringing people with him. Y'all don't know this part of the story. It's too long to tell or we'd be here till this time tomorrow. But God told me this time last year that, that he would evangelize. And so that was confirmation again. Crazy, right? Okay, that was what I got from it. But the kids were a little uncomfortable because it's crazy. There's a thousand kids from all denominations, and some are crazy, but crazy for God, so that's crazy good. But they all got something different, and they all received from the Lord. And some of them received seeds that will come to fruition. David's not here, but David received. David came back a changed boy. David got baptized. He wanted his mama to stay for church because David wanted to get up and tell you. But her hip was hurting and they had to go. But I saw David drop to his knees, weeping. And God told me what he was telling him. So I said, David, did you hear from the Lord? He said, I don't think so. Okay. Later I said, David, you you think God might have said this to you? And he looked at me like, yeah. Okay. He heard it in his own voice. He said, I thought that was just me talking to me. Isn't that something? When he came up out of that water on baptism, he was, his body was physically shaking, and he was laughing like crazy. It was crazy. It was good. Hannah didn't want me to tell till she told her mama. She wanted to be the one to tell, but Hannah also got baptized. And it was a beautiful thing, too. And she was, she was pressing in. She was leading. She was like, I'm getting baptized. I'm getting baptized. And then David had the courage because of Hannah's courage. Wow. Wow. Any one of our teenagers want to say anything? Anybody?
staff meeting just a second. You want to say something, Emily? The spirit, the spirit has spoken. Hello. So I actually went to summer intensive, which was three days before camp started. And I was there by myself. I mean, like there were other girls there, but there was mostly youth groups. But then there were three other girls who also came by themselves. And months before I went to intensive, I was like, Lord, just please give me friends who like want to talk to me. And so they were all there by themselves too. And we instantly all connected. And I was like, yes, this is the answer to my prayers. So after the first night, um, I was like, we were saying what God has done in our lives and how great he is and everything. And I was like, one thing I've always wanted is I've always wanted to be prophesied over. But it's never happened. I know it will one day. I'm just waiting for that day when, like, someone just picks me out of a crowd and is like, you, this is what's going to happen to you. And they were like, yeah, um, okay, that might happen one day. I don't know. So we went through the conference, or the intensive, and intensive was good. Everybody was given words, and it was like they wrote the words specifically for me. But nobody called me out. And then camp started, and it was great. My calves are still on fire, and, like, my shoulder blades hurt when I go like that. But it's great. I love it. Um, and it was on the last night, and everybody was worshiping after we had just had a mosh pit. And my phone is right there. Okay. And you want me to say it first before? Okay. Um, okay. Um, and, you know, we had just got out of a mosh pit, and Miss Karen started talking because they just bought a hotel. Because they, Ms. yes, Miss Karen is the leader. And they, they have a, quite a few dorms, but they run out of dorms, so they have to turn people away. So they just bought a hotel so they can have more people for next year and then years to come. And she was talking about that. And she was walking, 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 walking. Then all of a sudden, she locked eyes with me. And she was like, you, what's your name? And I got, I like, I'm never, well, I'm not going to say I'm never nervous. But I don't get nervous often unless it's talking in front of people or singing in front of people. Uh, so when she asked me my name, I was like, Emily. And what made it worse is that everybody in front of me turned like this. So it was like a clear view to her. And right there, she was like, Emily, and she started prophesying over me. She was saying stuff like, I'm going to be a spiritual mother, and yeah, let me just play it really quick. <laughs> okay. Not only is it for you to learn, it's for you to sew into. And you beautiful girl with that orange t-shirt and blonde hair smiling at me, there is something on your life. What is your name? Emily? Emily, in the name of Jesus, I see a light over your head. Lift your hands in the air, Emily. Father, I thank you that this young lady called of God right here, right now, chosen, separated unto God. Fresh anointing in her, upon her, and through her. Set apart for your work. Consecrated to God. A spiritual mother of many. Somebody put your hands on her feet. Lord, I thank you that these feet will carry the gospel of this good news in the name of Jesus. 
How beautiful are the mountains. On the mountains are the feet of this girl, Emily, that will carry this good news. I call forth the boldness of God out of her mouth in Jesus' name. Give God praise for what's going to come through, Emily. So that was another confirmation. That was that one was a lot more obvious. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. I was just nervous that she was about to ask me up on stage, and I was like, I don't know what this girl's about to do. Um, but I think that whole conference and camp was just like confirmation because sometimes I I I don't cry. Hang on. Sometimes I like get discouraged and stuff whenever I pray something and it, and that doesn't immediately happen. Even though like I know that's not how God always works. Sometimes you do have to wait years and years or weeks or days or whatever. Sometimes I do get discouraged whenever stuff doesn't happen. So it was just like confirmation to me that God listens and he's always there and he's always like there and he speaks through other people for me even if I'm not there. And one thing that they said, sorry, I'm almost done. One thing that they said was you don't have to plant, or that's not what they said, is that you just have to plant the seed. You don't have to be there for the harvest. Because if you plant the seed, the harvest is going to happen whether you're there or not. And so that I really, really liked. Okay, that's all. Don't you wish you had gone to you camp this week? Yeah. Right? Amen. Any of our other teenagers want to say anything? I'm trying to lock eyes with them. To all right. Sweet little prophet, you. Wow. Well, I probably have the weirdest passage of scripture for follow up on a, on a youth re retreat report. But it's exactly what God wanted this morning because it fits perfectly. The book of Exodus. The book of Exodus. Chapter 35, verse 30. Exodus 35, verse 30. And I promise it's going to be weird, but, but there's a great point here that the Lord wants you to hear today. Exodus 35:30. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uriah, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God. This is the second 
mention of the activity of the Holy Spirit in the recorded Bible. The first activity was Genesis 1-1, where it says, In the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the earth. That's a, that's a term for mothering. Uh, hovering, mothering is, is the phrase for it in Hebrew. It's a, it's a feminine word. The Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the earth. That's Genesis 1-1. In other words, he nurtured it. He cared for it. The Holy Spirit did. Here we find his second activity listed. It said he filled him with the Holy Spirit with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic craftsmanship. And he has given both him and Oholiab, son of that guy of the tribe of Dan, <coughs> the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as craftsmen, designers, embroiderers, in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, <coughs> and fine linen, and weavers of all them, master craftsmen of design. <coughs> so Bezael and Oliab, <coughs> and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability <coughs> to know how to carry out all the work of construction in the sanctuary, uh, to do the work just as the Lord commanded. <coughs> what they were building was the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle was a tent with four sides and a roof. Anybody here ever been camping? Okay. Basically an RV without the wheels, right? If you're an RV person, right? It's four, four sides and a roof was a tabernacle. And what the children of Israel did, you are such a sweet thing. I can see where your son gets his sweet attitude from. What the Israelites were to do was as they journeyed from Egypt to the promised land, they had to pitch tents along the way. Now think about a million people with tents and all the stuff that had to go along with that. And so they would camp in a certain area. They would use up all the resources in the land that was around them. Okay? Of course, God was providing them food and water. But any of the resources they used up, so they had to keep moving because of the resources there. They still had cattle that had to eat, sheep that had to eat, things like that. So you can see this mass migration, but they also had the tabernacle. It was a tent of meeting. It was a place where God came and met with people. God brought his pup tent, set it up, and said, y'all can come in and, and we'll have church. And so that's what the tabernacle was. And what I see in the scripture is it was so important for God that the tabernacle be built right, not perfect, but right. He had certain designs, and you can read all about that later on. But it was so important to him that he invested in men and women the ability to make the tabernacle, to move it and repair it as they moved it. You can imagine <clears throat> putting all the canvas of, of the walls, packing that all on camels, you know, and taking it, and it, it would get torn, and they would have to sew it back together. Uh, you can imagine it getting dirty and then trying to clean the dirt off of it. Uh, just think about being in the desert and wandering through. He gave all these people the ability to build the tabernacle, and the Holy Spirit gave them that ability. The Holy Spirit is so practical and so caring and so loving, and, and he's brilliant. And he gave them all this ability 
to build a tabernacle. And as they carried it, they put it up, they took it down, they put it up, they took it down. And there was the Holy Spirit. The whole time they were traveling around with their tabernacle, he was with them, helping them put it up, take it down, put it up, take it down, making sure it was clean and in proper working order. Here's what I would say to all of us today. We have the Holy Spirit. He's a person. I know we tend to call him an it sometimes, and that's not, that's not exactly proper. He's a person. The Holy Spirit's a person, right? We have this person. Check this out now. We have this person, the Bible says, in jars of clay. There's 100%, listen, there's 100% guarantee that you are going to die. 100% guarantee, unless Jesus comes back and takes us to be with him. But there's a 100% chance of death, of this body dying and ceasing to exist. Go to any graveyard, anywhere in America, if you need proof. Right? The body is going to stop functioning at some point. But until then, this jar of clay, this jar of clay hosts and carries the Holy Spirit. Who is at work in our life, watch this now, helping us design and repair our tabernacle. Not the body, but that which houses the Holy Spirit. The tabernacle within, the spiritual tabernacle within. The Holy Spirit is there designing it. And listen, no matter where you go, no matter where you pitch your tent, the Holy Spirit is in the tent with you. Isn't that beautiful? The Holy Spirit is always in the tent with us. You see, we ourselves are the tabernacle of the Lord. The central theme of the tabernacle in the Old Testament was God's desire to dwell with his people. Humans now can have unrestricted communion with God through Jesus. God has always wanted us to be close to him. He's always wanted to connect with us. His desire is to always be with his people. And in Revelation chapter 21 verse 3 it says, even in the end, it says the tent of God, will, the tabernacle of God, the tent of God will be with men. Now, here's where it gets personal. I have a tabernacle. It's the gym tool tabernacle, right? And the Holy Spirit lives there. You have a tabernacle. Miss Jackie, you have a tabernacle. And the Holy Spirit lives there, right? wherever you go. In the Old Testament, watch this now. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle was, y'all come into my tent, and I'll meet with you. In the Old Testament, I'm going to say that in French now. In the Old Testament, because I want you to get happy about this. In the Old Testament, God says, here's my tent. Come in here and meet with me. In the New Testament, Jesus comes and knocks on the tent door and says, can I come into your tent? Right? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I want to come into your tent and dwell with you. I want to have a meal with you. And that's all because of what Jesus did when he died on the cross for our sins. He opened a doorway for us to have access to God. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 22, Jesus opened a new and living way into God's presence. God desires to meet with us and to manifest himself in our tabernacle. We 
think about that for a minute. God wants to show up at your house. He's not, he's not up here waiting saying, look, I got my tent set up. The church is ready. The chairs are set up. You come to my house, and I, I'll meet with you. That's, that's what we've been taught in, in religion for a long time, right? That you've got to come to this building to meet God. And, and that's a great place to meet God in this building or any other building. It's called a church. But that's not the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is Jesus shows up at your tent no matter how your tent looks. Your tent's all dirty, beat up, battered by the world. Your tent's full of dope or alcohol or bitterness or anger. Whatever your tent is full of, God still shows up and knocks on the door and says, I'd like to come into your tent. I want to take care of whatever it is in your tent that ain't right. Look how detailed it was here in Exodus. He had all these craftsmen that the Holy Spirit filled so that the tabernacle could be right and whole and clean and usable. Nothing's changed. It's just that the tabernacle is within us now. And whatever your tabernacle looks like to you or to others or to God, God says, I still want to come in. I'd still like to come into your house. When Debbie and I were in seminary, we were in seminary housing. And um, seminary housing is basically six townhouses all attached to a building and a lot of babies. <laughs> Our street was called Baby Circle, right? If you go to seminary, you have babies in this building. And one day they were coming through uh, installing a phone line or something. I don't know exactly what's cable, maybe TV cable, in all of the townhomes. And for the cable guy to go in, he had a master key. For the cable guy to go into the next unit beside us, he had to have somebody else in the unit stand there with him while he did the work just so he wouldn't be accused of stealing anything. Good practice. So he knocked on our door, told me who he was, what he was doing. He needed to go next door to the room. And would I stand there while he hooked up something? I said, sure, I'd be glad to. I walked in the door, and there were trash bags full of trash, mounted up going to the wall. There was a walkway not even as wide as this, all the way through the living room, back into the kitchen. And in the kitchen, because I followed him in there where he went to the wire, there were trash bags full of trash, just mounted up as far as you could see. This is a, this is a preacher in seminary studying to be a pastor, right? And that, it was just full of trash bags. You couldn't see furniture. You couldn't see anything. And I thought to myself, you know, what is it about this person's life that allows, the, there was a dumpster at the end of the three buildings down, right, you know, picture, asphalt drive, houses on both, apartments on both sides, a big dumpster at the end, 75 feet. There was a dumpster that we could all use free of charge, one of those big kind. What was in his heart, their heart, to make them mound trash up that high inside their house and not carry it down? Well, I want you to know that was their tabernacle. Jesus would have walked right in there. He would have walked right in there. And sat down and started having a conversation about the trash bags. Hey, you don't need this in your life. Hey, hey, Ben, you, you don't need this in your life. Why don't you and I get together and uh, we'll get a wheelbarrow or something and we'll, we'll take it down and get rid of this because this is not healthy. This is, this is not going to help you. And Jesus would say, I'll grab four bags, you grab four bags, and 
We'll go put it in the dumpster. And then we'll come back and grab four more bags. That's what Jesus would do. That's what Jesus will do in your life. He will come in and say, you don't need this bitterness. Let's you and I take this to the dump. You don't need this anger. Let's you and I take this to the dump. You don't need this particular sin in your life. This is not going to help you. It's only going to hurt you. Let's, let's take it out. That's the kind of Jesus that I understand in the Bible. A couple things about our tabernacle, and then I'm through. First thing, all tabernacles are transparent where God's concerned. You can't hide anything from God. They're all transparent. You can try to hide it, but he's got it. Second thing, all tabernacles are transformational. It creates a change in our nature. God comes in and says, yeah, that's, that's a good chair, but it's going to break in a few years. Why don't you let me buy you a brand new chair? Let, let me, that table is a good table, but I've got something you might enjoy more. And I want to give it to you just because I love you. He comes in and he transforms our life. He remakes us because he's always got something better for us than we have for ourselves. Because he knows us. The third thing about our tabernacle is it's transcendent. It's beyond the normal human experience. What does that mean? It says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, it says that those who are in Christ, that's all y'all in case you didn't know, those of us who are in Christ who are trusting in Jesus are already sitting in heavenly places. The tabernacle that we have is there with him and here with us. Now that's a mystery. It's really great. But it's the truth. It says it in the Bible. We are present with God where he is. He's present with us where we are. That's transcendent. He goes from here to there, from here to there. I think of it as a, as a thin membrane. Think of saran wrap. You know, you, you wrap that saran wrap, that cling wrap over the bowl, right? Stick it in the refrigerator. God is so close. He's just as close as saran wrap. You just stick your finger right through it. He's there. That's how close the kingdom of God is. That's how close his presence is. It's just right here. You don't have to go anywhere. You are the tabernacle. He's come in. He's hanging out in your tabernacle. He's having a meal with you. That's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. That's what it is. You're inviting Jesus to come into your tabernacle and have a meal together. That's what the Lord's Supper represents. At the heart of what it is, is Jesus, would you come in and can we eat together? Please, can you come in? Sure, be glad to. The fourth thing about this tabernacle, it is transient. It is transient. <laughs> It only lasts for a short time. It's temporary. The tabernacle is not your home. Home is when you're in the presence of Jesus. The tabernacle eventually ceases to exist in this life. We're not home yet. So whatever you're going through, just know you're not home yet. But until you get home, Jesus is in your home. Having a meal with you telling you of the love of the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal, everlasting, current life, abundant life. Do you have that abundant life? 
Are you trusting in Jesus Christ and in him alone for your salvation? If you're not, I sure would love to talk to you after the service. Just come up and find me. I would love to talk to you about that. If you are trusting in him as your Lord and Savior, I hope you celebrate that when we take the Lord's Supper together in just a moment. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. For tabernacling with us and in us and through us and around us. Thank you for the marvelous, marvelous gift of your presence. So come now, Lord Jesus, and meet with us. Come and make yourself known to us more than we've ever known you before. Come into our tabernacle and share a meal with us. Let us rejoice together in sharing the bread and the juice together as we do in a moment. Come, Lord Jesus, and share it with us. And Holy Spirit, I pray for anybody here with a troubled heart, troubled marriage, trouble in the workplace, trouble within themselves. Pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and be peace, be direction, be help, be comfort. Whatever is needed, come into this tabernacle that you've made. And be the peace of Christ ruling in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray.